What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. I hope everybody's had a fantastic weekend. So today's episode, we're going to start off with international duty appearances. We're then going to go to some general news bits, Everton related, obviously. And then we're going to round it off with um, a nice transfer rumor. So to start off, James, England versus Croatia. Uh, England won two to one and won their group for the, um, what was the cup? UEFA Na- Nations League Cup. Yeah, there Nations you go. League, League of Nations. They top- League like of Nations. That. There you go. They topped the group um, with their two to one win over Croatia. Vlasic, Vlasic started that match um, and actually assisted Croatia's goal. Yeah, he looked. I saw the highlight. It was a nice assist. Honestly, the goal scored did most of the work, but uh, I also saw a little compilation by our good friends' Twitter follow at Toffee Analysis showing all of his touches. Looked really composed, and I think it just shows that the uh, spell in Russia is doing him wonders. I agree. And it's just on that score sheet, it's, or sorry, the team sheet, it's crazy to see him starting at the number 10 and, and seeing Modric so yeah. close. <laughs> Can almost touch him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to see the progression he's making, hopefully making that next step uh, and this season into, into the future. Right. So Besic started for Bosnia against Spain, lost zero to one. Um, really nothing to see there. I didn't catch highlights. Uh, probably a tough game. Yeah. Again, another player who's been injured for a long time, making his way back in. It's exciting to see that, uh, tough opponent in Spain. That's always going to be a mismatch. Uh, but then Luca Dean started for France again, again, in an O2 loss against Ronald Koeman's Netherlands side. Uh, curious what your thoughts are there. Well, <laughs> well, um, I think the Netherlands have looked much better under Ronald Koeman, believe it or not, because um, they were they've been a dumpster fire really for for a pretty long time. Um, but in in terms of Lucas Digne, he, I think it's awesome. It was criminal to see him miss out on the World Cup squad for France, especially since they went on to win it. Um, but it's it's awesome to see him coming in and starting a lot of the friendly matches within the last couple months. And I hope uh, long may it continue. Yeah, it's really good. I believe the, the French coach told Dina that he would have been his first choice left back, but he never, uh, he didn't play enough games at Barcelona to feel comfortable picking him for the World Cup. So clear that he has quality. We've seen it on the pitch so far this season. Uh, a player who does not have quality, in my opinion, Ashley Williams started for Wales uh, in a 1 2 loss against Denmark. Yep, nothing to see there. Move along, James. Move along. The less said, the better. Ashley Williams' <laughs> Everton career will just be a a distant memory soon enough. Uh, but a player who has a bright Everton future, Richarlison played 67 minutes in uh, Brazil's game against Uruguay. He was oh, actually no, sorry, subbed, on. Six, yeah, subbed on in the 67th minute. Uh, a 1-0 victory for Brazil. So good yeah. stuff. It's, it's just fantastic to see him continuing to get minutes for Brazil. I find it no, um, no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't find it. Um, Coincidence. There we go. Coincidence. I find it no coincidence that right as he moves to Everton, he says to the media immediately that his goal is to play well for Everton so that he can force his way into the Brazilian team. Next thing you know, a month later, he gets his first call up and he's been called up ever since. Um, long may it continue. Uh, 
become best friends with Neymar and coax him to Liverpool. Yeah, the, the Richarlison thing's really good. And, and so far, everything that he said has come true. And I believe the third part of that comment that you left out when he said he wanted to make it back into the Brazilian national team was win games with Everton and get them into the Champions League. So maybe that ah. maybe that's a little preemptive, a little too soon. But you know what? I'm holding out hope. Who knows? See, we know that can't happen within the next season or so. So that just proves to you that he wants to be here long term and I'll take it. I'll so, take it as well. Last up, Ghana played the full 90 for Senegal, who beat uh, Guinea 1-0. Again, pretty standard. Uh, I don't I don't see him uh, losing his spot well for Senegal or uh, Everton, for that matter. Yeah, it's great to see. Honestly, the best part about all this is that we're not talking about any major catastrophic injuries because for the last few seasons, that's been all that's really come up during international breaks has been, oh yeah, now we have to go three months without this player. Oh, Seamus Coleman's out for a year, et cetera, et cetera. So with the exception of some a player that we'll mention shortly, uh, every player playing substantial minutes and getting out uh, with a clean bill of health. So all positives. It's very true. So now we're going to, we're going to go to our general news bit. We have a couple of pieces for you. Um, Lookman actually left the England U21 team today, went back to Everton with a minor injury sustained. James, how do you think that looks in terms of, um, you know, I think Everton plays in six days. I personally have been calling for Lookman to start. What do you think that means? I think it was precautionary. I'm hoping they said it's minor, so I don't think that it's anything that we should be losing sleep over for the upcoming match. I think that Adam Lookman is long overdue to get a run of games in this Everton team. You know, it's we were calling for it out, out for him last season because we were lacking any kind of creative presence on either wing throughout the season, and, and we struggled to create things offensively. And that kind of carried over into this season, except we brought in new exciting players to play on the wings and we brought in Theo Walcott last January. So the calls for Latimola Lookman were kind of postponed a little bit, but now after his substitute appearances this season, I think it's fully justified that he finally makes uh, his long overdue start in a blue Jersey in the Premier league. And we can see given 90 minutes, what this kid can do. I agree. Walcott hasn't been taking his chances. You know, he Lookman has looked good, as you said, every time he comes off the bench. It'll be interesting to see, and hopefully over the next coming days, um, we might get some type of update from Marco Silva, and we'll be able to kind of talk our, um, you know, preferred lineups on Wednesday when we release our next episode looking at, you know, the weekend, finally marking, you know, towards the end of the international break. Our other bit of general news, which is, um, you know, a nice, a nice feel good. And this doesn't necessarily, um, I'm assuming, I mean, maybe you're loaded, but this doesn't apply to our, uh, American fan base. Um, season ticket prices have been frozen for 2019, 2020 season next season. This is actually the fourth consecutive season that they have been frozen. Um, I've been reading on Twitter that there are other clubs that have season ticket prices four times as much. It's no surprise, you know, James, that Everton, you know, keeps stadiums packed. Working class club is kind of the, the reputation of Everton. And this just continues to emphasize that it's a positive move from the club. I think it's going to be very well received. It's very Everton. 
thing to do to freeze season ticket prices for four consecutive seasons. As much as I want to say that I hope it's a you know good faith gesture and doing the best for the fans, it also I think has something to do with you know demand. Is there enough demand to justify a huge increase in prices? So much you know, it's economics. Is it worth the negative? Uh, publicity and feedback that would be given if they raise prices versus the extra income generated. I don't think it's a, you know, the cost benefit analysis may not work out and that might be the real motivation behind it. But from a PR perspective, it's great. The thing that strikes me the most is just how cheap a season ticket is for a Premier League club relative to if you were to want to have a season ticket to any real, really any professional American sport. Uh, it's so much more accessible, which is one of the things that's so appealing about it is that they do take the fan, most clubs, not every club, uh, takes those working class fans into consideration when making these business decisions. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a really good point. And back to your point about demand, um, a tweet from Trevor McKinley on Twitter earlier, You know, I thought he made a brilliant point, which was that he thought ticket price, the ticket price freeze was, you know, with a view to building demand ahead of the move to Bramley Moore, because that stadium is going to have a substantially larger capacity. And, you know, I know I see all the time that Man City gets kind of um, slated for the fact that they don't fill their stands. And so that's kind of an interesting thing, building, you know, building uh, a waiting list and and that sort of thing for Everton, especially as they ideally climb up the table and getting ready for that move to the new stadium in a couple seasons. So that could be an interesting move. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't even really considered that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. To delay things, I don't know what how long the season ticket holder wait list is. I'd imagine it's getting up there. It's probably building considerably. And yeah, in X years, no one really knows the exact date yet. When we finally find out when the stadium moves happening it's going to be a lot of excitement it's a huge project a huge undertaking for not just the club but for the city of liverpool and i think again something that i hadn't really considered but that's a really good point and i if that is in fact the strategy i think it's a good one definitely is and then james would you like to round us out with our transfer our january transfer rumor yeah so this one kind of came out of nowhere Similar to some of the summer transfer rumors uh, this past summer, we've been linked with, uh, I'm going to try my best here, Andrija Zivkovic. I think you got uh, it pretty pretty spot on there, James. A Serbian number 10 slash winger who currently plays for Benfica. Apparently, he's been on the radar of us and several other Premier League clubs. uh, Rumored to be in the region of 20 million, probably more than that. Alex, you think we're in need of a number 10, another one? <laughs> so that's a touchy subject coming off of last season. It's an interesting thing. So the guy is 22 years old, right? He's not very tall, definitely not a physical player, but he looks to be very technical. He's pacey. You know, his his stats don't quite suggest that, you know, he's prolific. And, you know, Ronald Koeman said it, when he went on his spending spree that we needed to spread the goals out because Lukaku, you know, 25 goals, I think in his last season for Everton. And as we've seen many times before, just our midfielders, we couldn't rely on our midfielders to put up points. So with that in mind, I'm not sure that 
it makes sense. Now, <clears throat> what I will say is he's left-footed. We really don't have very many left-footed players in the squad at all. I actually don't think any of our wingers are left-footed, are they? I don't believe so. So none of our players are left-footed. Um, Dowell, is Dowell left-footed? He actually he might be def- he left-footed. He is left-footed, yeah. Okay, so... He is left-footed. You know, you look at the number 10s at the club, right? We have Gilfie Sigurdsson, which is the undisputed number one. I don't care what anyone says. He's not going to be... He's not going to be unseated, especially with the form he's in right now. You've got Vlasic, who has been doing pretty well with CSKA and then, you know, put on a pretty good performance with Croatia. And then you've got Dowell, who can't make the squad, who's still at Everton, obviously. While we have talent, and then again, to backtrack, Bernard can also play the number 10. We have players that can play the number 10, but then you say, okay, Dowell and Vlasic, if, if Sigurdsson's out, do we, and, and we're really like, if we are really saying to ourselves, yep, we're pushing for the top six, we should be finishing in the top six. Then can we, let's say Sigurdsson, you know, I don't know, breaks his leg, seeing as how we've seen that multiple times in the last year alone. Don't speak those types of things into existence. How dare you? <laughs> oh man. Um, no jinx, no jinx. We're safe. Still, still, do we think that Dowell or Vlasic can come in? for 15, 20 matches in a season and make that happen for Everton? Because I don't. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no matter what, you're going to have to have some type of confidence in your backups. I haven't watched much of the kid, but I'll say that I don't find it outlandish that we could sign a number 10, especially if they are as um, flexible as you know a lot of the players that Marcus Silva has been signing or has signed. I think the idea is signing him is that he would be able to play out on the right wing and be a backup for Theo Walcott or his replacement. And I'm all in favor of that if we're being linked with another winger, because I do think that that's an area we need to strengthen. Like you said, we have a lot of right-footed wingers and not a lot of left-footed ones. Apparently, he really likes to play on that right and cut back onto his left, kind of like how Bernard does on the left-hand side, and then play crosses in to the box, which is something that we do really need so i'm all in favor of it again the numbers don't really speak to him being an elite talent but i'm very much giving marcel brands the benefit of the doubt considering he's yet to miss on a single signing so hopefully this kid can continue that that run of form for marcel's picks yeah and to your point about costing you know 20 mil maybe a little bit more if we're going to be realistic that's not earth shattering anymore that would have been you know a pretty big sum but it's not anymore if if brands thinks that that is a good signing as you said i'd trust it and you know just to wrap this up marco silva has been making bernard richarlison and yeri mina all take english lessons richarlison told the media that Marco Silva now only speaks to him in English when he, you know, when Richarlison goes to his office and they they review tape or they talk about different things in training or that sort of thing. He only speaks to him in English to really reinforce that. How important do you think that is with all these new signings? Now that you know we're talking about another link, I'm not sure if he's, you know, Zivkovic speaks English or not. How important do you think that is? And what do you think about Marco Silva doing that in general, re- requiring them to take English classes? I think it's completely necessary. 
for not just their benefit on the field, but also just to live in the country of England, you have to be able to speak English. It doesn't strike me as having not been there, but it doesn't, you know, certain other places you go in Europe, like when I went to France when I was in high school, and if you're in the right areas, more urban areas, you can always find someone who speaks English. So it's not like you're out in the cold if you're not French speaking. England, it just seems like it'd be very hard to maneuver if you can only speak Spanish and Portuguese, respectively. So I think it's important for them to continue to to build uh, their language skills in English. And for fo- for football purposes, it's not too difficult. I mean, you just have to learn some choice words uh, to be able to communicate with your teammates. It's not exact like they're having these long, deep conversations where they have to express eight different tenses and all that kind of stuff. It's just a lot of vocabulary and that those sorts of words. Uh, As far as Marco Silva speaking English, I think it's really just shows how much he has adopted, you know, the right attitude and is passing it on to the players. And it just continues the endless stream of things that we've seen uh, where everyone on the team and in management is saying and doing the right things, uh, which is, so far removed from what we've seen previously where you've got people, you know, Sam Allardyce talking to the fans, like we're stupid and he's like a great manager, those types of things. So kind of a long rant, a little off topic, but that's my general consensus is it's really important for the team to build chemistry, to be able to communicate effectively on the field. Right. Yeah. I agree with you completely. Good points. And you know, when I think when I think about my job, right, um, just a normal job, I wish I could, you know, I wish I could be Rich Arlison, but I can't. Although some could argue it's never too late. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> James, you take that back. It's too late for you. I'm sorry. All right, man. All right. Just stick to the podcasting game. Well, I'm trying here. Anyway, um, point is, when you're thinking about a job, your feeling settled is all about the intangibles, Right. A lot of times it has nothing to do with the work. It has to do with your coworkers, right? It has to do with your boss. It has to do with, you know, people that you might service, whether that's other organizations or, you know, other departments, that sort of thing. And so when Marco Silva is investing time and, and strategies into like getting you adapted, right? having you learn English, like forcing your hand, having you learn English and and spending that, making you feel special, right? Because that's what he does. He's a man manager. He makes you feel special. He wants you there and he makes sure that you know it. Then it, it helps to foster a better relationship between the player and the club. And we just saw a ton of players kind of fall out with the club. You know, Barkley, well, Lukaku, I don't know that he was ever in to fall out. In in terms of an attitude perspective, but we saw a lot of players kind of fall out in in, ter- in that way, and so I think that it's important from from an intangible aspect as well. Yeah, I absolutely on board. The more if we can just get everyone communicating and on the same page, an effective unit continue to build team chemistry on the field. Our communication can only help that. I mean, having played several different sports throughout my life. If you have good team communication, it makes you that much harder to beat, makes you that much more formidable. So onward and upward. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Hope you have a fantastic start to your week, and we will see you all Wednesday evening. 
Thanks so much for tuning into the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well, at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time, come on, you blues.